Welcome to Common Science. And this week, uh, it's Aiden speaking, and I decided to call up James Lay uh, for a story episode. So uh, for those of you not familiar, most weeks, uh, myself, Dre, and Lauren will meet up and, and try to tackle a topic and use the scientific method to come to a better conclusion. But this week, I'm interviewing James Lay uh, about his life, his story, how he got into data journalism, data advocacy. And yeah, so I'll let him give a brief little introduction about himself and and yeah, what he's up to now. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, Aiden. I appreciate you, um, you know, spending time with me today and inviting me to the show. Um, uh, as I mentioned right now, uh, most of my, my work is focused on, on the data war, but uh, yeah, maybe a quick, uh, two-minute summary of my life. Um, I, I was uh, born and raised in Vietnam, and then I, I did all my early school there. Um, at, at the age of 16, I moved to the US for, for boarding school. Um, I was going to a very small boarding school in Georgia. That was when I first kind of like, you know, interact with, with you know, international friends over the world. It's kind of expanded a bit my, my, uh, my social circle. Because, um, you know, like Vietnam is a very small country, and and then, you know, I don't have a lot of opportunity to, to interact with, with other people from globally. And yeah, so I did two years boarding school there, went to university in Ohio, and then um, did my, recently finished my grad school in, in upstate New York. So yeah, it's been doing most of my um, education in, in the US. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I study uh, computer science in college, and, uh, along with um, another major in communication. So really kind of, um, allows me to, to cultivate both my left brain uh, critical thinking skill as well as my sort of more right brain uh, creative uh, skills, which have served me uh, very well. And uh, yeah, I'm getting super interested in, in the world of data science uh, um, in the past three years or so, and that's kind of motivated me to, to go to grad school. And, and you know, uh, that's, that's what drove me to, to my current job and to the current work that I'm doing uh, nowadays. That's awesome. Uh, that's quite, that sounds like quite the path and, and quite the winding one. Uh, obviously, yeah, coming from Vietnam, we can, we can talk a bit more about that and your experience and, and how maybe other people who are in similar experiences can, can replicate it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. And obviously super important work and definitely data science is, is in my eyes, I mean, a buzzword, but also for a good reason um, that has been uh, all over the place lately. I'm curious, so what, uh, what motivated you to pursue the, the boarding school experience or how did that come about? Obviously you're, you're pretty interested in, in some more exposure outside of like the Vietnam setting where it was a smaller country, but yeah, how did, how did you, what was your experience there like? Definitely, yeah, thanks for asking this question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I would say like, you know, um, my, my, my education system in, back home in Vietnam is um, quite, uh, quite focused on, on, the, on, the, on the theory side of thing. Like we, we study a lot of, and it's a very strong, I suppose it's like kind of a commonplace across most uh, the Asian countries, but like it's a very strong focus on on you know STEM field, like we, we put a lot of focus on like math and and you know um, uh, biology, chemistry, uh, 
uh, uh, physics, those kind of subject. Um, and and um, yeah, so so I think like I, I did my first three of high school back home and that allows me to, you know, kind of learn a lot of stuff uh, regarding some of the more, more, more like STEM focused uh, areas. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like, you know, uh, I, I actually have um, an uncle who was uh, been living and working in, in the States for about like um, five years uh, at the time. And he was working uh, as a software engineer at Microsoft. And yeah, and he, the, the, he always like, um, you know, calling home, talking with, with my grandparents and parents and talking about like kind of the life in, in the US. And I actually, before I moved to the US, like fully, I, I spent like a summer in, in Seattle, just kind of exploring a little bit of what the US means. And that's my first time to do the country. And obviously like, you know, a massively different culture coming coming from, from the East. Um, and I, I, yeah, I feel like, you know, there's, there's much more innovation happening in, 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 uh, in the Western world. I mean, the US is the pivotal of, of culture, of innovation, of technology. And, and so, yeah, I, I decided I thought I want to, you know, study abroad. Um, and yeah, at the time um, uh, I uh, was um, going to like a bunch of different websites, uh, finding out what are the available paths to, to study in the US. And uh, it was actually a couple of um, um, a rep representative from, from boarding school in the US who, vi who visit uh, Hanoi, which is the capital city of Vietnam, which is where I, I was born and raised. Uh, and then I, I check out some of those fairs and talk to a couple of interesting people. Uh, brought back home a bunch of brochure, like all oh, this like super cool poster and brochures about these different campus, you know, what is good campus, which is like so nice because, you know, these campus are like huge. There's so many uh, green spaces, you know, to be honest, like in Vietnam, we don't have like a lot of green spaces, like every house is uh, so tight, the city is so dense and populated. So yeah, I just, I just can't imagine myself to be living in those environments and, and how, how cool that can be. So yeah, I, um, I apply to a bunch of I think the time was taking the TOEFL, uh, which is a standardized test for most mm -hmm. students. And then I got accepted to look a few of them and the one gave me the most financial aid. Um, yeah, I decided to go there. Uh, definitely like a, like a big decision, just living home um, at like by like 16. Um, but, you know, um, I think like being independent at such an early age, which was really pivotal for me for the rest of my like the last the past decade that it's been because you know I, I, during those two years in bonus school i i just kind of learned by myself i mean i uh, still at the time was trying to accustom to the american culture right and then also like learn to improve my english skill and but then at the same time like my bonus school have a bunch of other international students as well from like china taiwan korea there's a couple of people from germany czech republic hungary uh spain all those so like it's like a mix of a, a group of great people and um, yeah, that 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 experience instilled in me uh, a love for for for, for diversity, uh, different cultures in general. Just just uh, being uh, passionate about yeah, I, I guess like being comfortable living in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, so? In that, along with that, uh, like there's I mean there's so much to uh, speak uh, speak to, but we we only have the forty minutes, but. Um, one thing that stuck out to me that you were talking about was the STEM focus in Vietnam, as well as many other Asian countries. Uh, but obviously you went and studied computer science and, and communication. And, um, and then do you think that the community, did the communication or the aspire to aspiring to become a journalist, do you think that that 
was informed by your boarding school experience or, or where do you think that that came from? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so for college, I, I, I did my undergrad at uh, Denison University, which is a liberal arts college in, um, in Ohio. Um, I, I mean, I actually just applied to a bunch of liberal arts school just because um, um, at the time, you know, at my senior year in high school, I, I didn't know what I want to measure yet. And this concept of liberal arts in, in the U.S. is pretty cool because you basically take, take like a bunch of like different subjects, right? And then you, 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 uh, you decide to measure later on. Uh, and so, yeah, the first two years, I just like took classes from a variety of departments from math and chemistry, CS to some of the more social science stuff like, you know, communication, uh, like even history or psychology or that kind of stuff, just, just to explore my myself a little bit. Um, and, and also I want to make more friends, American friends. <laughs> so that's yeah. like, because, you know, not, not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of American, you know, students who, who like, you know, in, a, in a intense calculus classes, for example. So, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think like just the, the nature of the Libras setting allowed me to, to double measure. Well, yeah, on both of those things, um, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it could be really cool because, you know, like say one day, maybe in the morning, I took 10 classes on, let's say C++, for example, for my CS degree. But then, you know, right after that, I might take like a, a media study on on how, you know, um, uh, you know, like uh, political communication might look like during the, the 2016 presidential election. So like, yeah. um, it's it really interesting to kind of traverse along this different spectrum and, and you know, be, be interact with people from a variety of background. Uh, I think that's, that's really important to kind of like break out your own comfort and, and really yeah. challenge your, your, your intellectual um, development at a multiple dimension. Yeah, yeah I would, I couldn't agree more than, um, yeah, with what you just said, I, so I also, uh, yeah, I was, was trying to, to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so I went to a, a liberal arts school as well. And I think that there is immense value to it. I know that there, it's difficult with the, the cost of education, which is a whole, whole nother podcast worthy uh, topic, but, uh, and, and how there's been a lot of a push more towards, oh, what, what can you do to, to get a job at the end of the day? But I think that it is important to, I think if anything that in today's day and age, the liberal arts sets you up uh, better uh, for the current kind of gig economy and entrepreneurship that's involved and all of the things, because yeah, like you said, uh, being able to communicate and relate to others uh, is only gonna get more important as the world uh, continues to get more flat and, and more more places workplaces become remote um yeah i guess i, I can't have a, a cast during covid without speaking to that a little bit how how is i mean obviously you said you started started connecting with some american students how is how have you been since since the covid pandemic uh, i mean most of your work could you do it online and and you've been able to stay decently connected with people yeah, and um, so this question is about like, like remote working, right? Yeah. Um, so I could say, actually, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with with remote work. Um, I think um, I, I I'm always used to. Uh, so okay, so back in 
um, back in like I think my uh, my sophomore year, maybe in, in college, uh, I was doing like a couple of internship during the summer. And one thing that I always do to explore a new city is go to coffee shops and then just work from coffee shops because uh, you know they have free Wi-Fi. So that's and also like you, you got a good spot and you know you uh, you um, you can do work and then you can so take a break and enjoy the the people and the food as well. So that's what I that that kind of work environment is is very um, comfortable for me. So I've I've been like you know, comfortable with just working from from remotely from 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 different location um, in the past like five six years or so. Um, and actually during grad school I. I was doing a couple of like freelance project and sales show project as well. So I'm pretty used to like remote communication and, and, and you know, uh, communicating ideas uh, online with, with my managers and boss at the same time. And so like, you know, um, during this, this transitioning, the whole world is moving um, online. I think I'm, uh, there's not much of a shock for me in terms of like that. Um, certainly there's like both the pros and cons of uh, you're not seeing, say, your 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 college on a, on a daily basis because, I mean, there's like, I mean, yeah, I, I did I did in person internship where I I met a bunch of my college where we had a lot of fun. Now like you know most of meetings are via Zoom, right? So, uh, that, that aspect definitely uh, is lacking a little bit. But I think like at the same time, you know, it, it brings a lot of efficiency, you know, all because you only talk with each other when it's a clear. A task you have to accomplish. There's like very clear goals and and, and, and things that you want to, to to achieve, and so that make uh, the whole process much more efficient. Yeah. yeah, ideally, yeah. So ideally, hopefully, as as you know, the the world is becoming normal again, we can figure out a way to like a hybrid situation where you don't you don't have to shop to work like five times a week, maybe like two or three times a week, and then the other day you can work from home. That that could be I think would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would so I've also been working remotely, but for me it's it's more of a, a novel concept. So I've been I had a, a bit of a shock, uh, like yeah, I had a bit of a shock in the first few months, and and I've started to find more of a routine working remotely. What sorts of before jumping back to college, what sorts of advice do you have for for somebody who? Uh, is working remotely or is thinking about working remotely and and yeah what what sorts of tips or tricks do you have for for staying connected with people yeah for sure i think um one thing about re remote work is you, you need to be really deliberate about the time like how do you structure your day um uh there is this one book that i read about four years ago um I, Deep Work by County Pot. It's actually a quite popular book, but it's brought about this concept of, uh, you know, like deep work, which is essentially the work that requires intense, um, you know, co cognitive power, you know, things like coding or writing or doing analytics, things like that, um, compared to like shallow work, which is things like checking email or, you know, checking Slack messages. Um, and that, and then I learned a lot from that reading that book. And I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, super productive in the morning. And so I always try to structure all the, the big uh, deep work session in the morning. So let's say I, I yeah, I usually just schedule my kind of the, the night before from, you know, like say from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. I work on this task and I have to work on that task. So like that, that makes sure that I'm not like reactive to any circumstances that, that might happen later on. And then in the afternoon, I can do like more, some of the more shallow work. Um, and I think like, um, 
you know, being really deliberate and 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 I put exactly what you want to do on your calendar, um, you know, the day ahead, like plan it out rather than focus on on rather than like um, having a reactive to do list. It, it make make a huge difference because you know when when things are on your calendar, you have to work on it rather than procrastinating. So sure. I think that's, yeah, that's the, the biggest tip I can share. That's uh that's fascinating that you bring up deep work by Cal New Newport. I I think you've just convinced me to to give it a read because I I heard of him on a podcast or actually I think he was interviewed on a podcast and and yeah I I mean I was definitely intrigued but I haven't taken the dive yet uh, so I'll have to take a dive in, into that as I as I continue on my on my own deep work journey uh, do you so do you plan your day day ahead um, so you said you put your stuff on your calendar is that like at the end of the day you ask yourself the question, okay, what do I want to accomplish tomorrow? Or, or yeah, when, mm. when do you do that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so essentially I, um, here, let's see, let's say I, um, I have a, a, a separate, um, I use a separate app called Todoist, which is essentially like, like a to-do list based app where, you know, you can structure projects. And uh, every, every evening, like before I go to bed, I look at my Todoist list and then I put that onto my, my, uh, my Google Cal the next day exactly when to work. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to link that in the show notes for our listeners as well. Uh, that's, yeah, it's it's awesome to, I've found that software engineers and, and machine learning or whatever uh, kind of software specialty you might be in, the, those t- types of people have spent, like they're, they're very good at figuring out the fastest way to do things. And they've also had a lot of practice with the working remotely as well. Uh, so that's awesome to hear. And I'll for sure link that in the show notes. Um, jumping back to college. So this is one thing that we also connected over. And for our listeners too, uh, to give provide a little bit more context, and I can also link this into the show notes, but we met at an effective altruism like fellowship weekend. And to those who don't know, Effective Altruism is a movement that's focused around doing the most good with our dollars, time, resources more generally. And so we met at that conference. And one thing that we uh, connected over uh, via some a little bit of messaging was we we noticed on LinkedIn that we had done the same or similar study abroads uh, through a program called DEES. What was your experience like doing that? Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, the program that I didn't just mention is DIS, the Initiative Institute of Study Abroad. So that was definitely like one of my, one of my like uh, one of my favorite, one of the best experience in my life. To be honest, um, I never been to Europe before that, um, and and so like the first time going going there was was magical almost. So I did that uh, in in um, spring twenty sixteen. So the DIS program essentially like. Um, a bunch of um, American, a bunch of students from American college uh, go to Copenhagen. Um, back then, now I think they also exposed, um, include Stockholm in that program. But yeah, they just study abroad for a semester in, in, in Copenhagen, and uh, we were taking classes um, with uh, you know with um, instructor who are like uh, uh, who who from who from Denmark and who like you know uh, have their own work practice things like that. Um, the reason I choose that program because I don't know. I, I feel like Scandinavia is such a such an interesting place to be in. You know, it's very um, yeah. There was some study when it keeps saying that you know um, 
Danish people and happy in the world. I think it's back in 2015. And then um, that's one of the reasons why I want to kind of explore the environment. Um, so I was on this program, uh, like a competence program that focused on game development. So I took a bunch of classes on, yeah, well, our main classes was on like building games, of, you know, and um, in, in, in Copenhagen, there was this huge company called Unity, which is, you know, like one of the biggest uh, game game engine in, in the world. They, they build these complicated games, like uh, game designers can, can work on that. So a semester, me and a couple of other students was, was building different kind of games and showcased at the end. Um, and yeah, and besides that, uh, I also have a really good, good experience. Um, you know, I was living with like, you know, in, in uh, with like 20, 20 other American students in, in like a neighborhood in, in middle of Copenhagen. And we just explored a city, you know, did a lot of travel across different city, uh, uh, countries and cities in, in Europe. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm super into photography back then. So I, I just traveled around, took a bunch of pictures. I, I actually have a YouTube channel where I do vlog of like a different, different city that I traveled to. That got, got quite some, some, some good views on, on my Facebook. So that, that was cool. Um, yeah, but overall, I think like uh, what I what did I learn from that experience? Just like you know, like expand my horizon, right? Like whenever you go to a new city, you you um you know you become amazed by by the the, by the architecture of like you know, mm-hmm. say the Tower in Paris or Colosseum in Rome, for example, like this crazy humongous architecture that exists for a thousand years, and like you, you appreciate the the art and and the craft being put into it. I think I think that's like what Europe. Made, made it so special it's like there's so much cultural and history behind behind you know um behind those those buildings and and, and artifacts you know america is so so more nice so it's hard to like kind of appreciate that uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah i think my 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 life become much more cultural after after coming back from the experience that's awesome yeah i had a similar but different experience and I'll, I'll ask you to elaborate more on, on what made it magical, but uh, yeah, I'd like to echo the the architecture is for sure something to to soak in when when you visit a new city. So I was fortunate enough. Uh, I actually was part of the first. So you know, you you mentioned that D started in Stockholm since, and so I was part of the first uh, program in Stockholm. So there's some hiccups with the the visas, and I, I was I lucked out in that our visas were canceled like the week or not or rejected the week ahead of going to Stockholm. And then the program was like, Oh, just we'll come to Stockholm on a tourist visa for 90 days. And we'll just figure it out while you're there. And I'm like, Oh gosh, okay. We're going to have to figure out. We only have 90 days, but the program is supposed to be a whole semester long. We'll see how this goes. Uh, But they, they had a, built a, a quite a robust relationship in Denmark with their like consulate. And so uh, we managed to swing visas in Denmark partway through our program. And so they transported the whole program at no additional cost from Sweden to Denmark for the last month of the program. So I spent actually three months in Sweden and one month in Denmark. Um, and oh man, De- uh, Copenhagen's architecture is something to behold because uh, yeah, like, just like you said, it's just, I mean, gorgeous. And I think they're pretty well renowned for it itself. Uh, but what struck me in particular was the com- combination of the, the old with the new, uh, because they'll have uh, one of my favorite spots to study, which I, I'm not sure you said, you mentioned coffee shops mainly, but the Black Diamond Library uh, is just was just something to behold where it's like half 
class and and super modern and uh, clean and minimalist looking. And then the other half is this, I mean, library that's been there for hundreds of years. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, that's awesome that you had that experience. And I would agree that it's definitely one of the most magical experiences of my life too. Um, and expanded my horizons as well as far as the, uh, yeah, just exposure to culture and things like that. And photography too. I was much more, I was much bigger into taking photos then. So I might have to share a couple of my Copenhagen photos after the cast, but, um, yeah, you, you said, you said magical, what, what made it magical? Were there certain places that you really enjoyed going to or certain, um, I mean, coffee shops or, or, or what? what were the main highlights for you in, in Copenhagen? Yeah, um, I think like, um, let's see, Scandinavian culture is, is very uh, elegant, you know? I, I think like, well, first of all, people dress like super sharp, <laughs> uh, you know, we, you know, I think they all wear black most of the time, but you know, the fashion is on, on top, so I'm trying to, improve my, my fashion game <laughs> you know, to, to, to do not stand out as a, as a, as a, as a foreigner. Um, but um, yeah, I think like also like a huge focus on sustainability throughout the whole city, you know, this is so clean, you know, like you, you see walking around the air is so fresh and you, you don't see trust on the street. Um, so obviously like you see you did a great job like making sure that, you know, uh, that it's, it's a enjoyable um, living environment. Um, Biking culture is another big one in, in Denmark. Um, you know, people buy to work all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, I just recall like there's, there's more traffic on the ballet than the actual uh, actual mainland, you know, because people fully dressed in suit and then on the bike by the work, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, 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 I I'm enjoy biking a lot. So it was great as well. Um, there's another concept uh, in, in, in Danish called Hegelit, um, which is um, the idea of uh, of like uh, friendliness and, and and coziness. Yeah, when you know, if you go to um, like if you have a dinner with friends, for example, the 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 ambient is is very you know cozy. You know, you have like a candle in the middle of the table, and everyone's gathered around, and, and and you know, take that time to to be in, in the conversation and. And enjoy that, that aspect. So it's, it's a much like slower pace compared to like say America, um, and that yeah, that level of coziness is really uh, struck me. You know, but at the time I, it was the spring. You know, it was the January, February. So it was like super cold, it was freezing in in, in um, northern Europe. So like just just having that that coziness around was was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I actually was also volunteered at a coffee shop for during during my time there, and so I met a bunch of people. Um, European as well, like who's studying in Denmark and is traveling and yeah, so it was great to just like being open-minded, like like I said earlier, like, you know, um, at the time, you know, I, I mostly was living, I know the US very well, I know Vietnam well, but I don't know anything about Europe in general, right, so actually having this great conversation with people and how cultural differences, what are the different cuisines that you get, you know, with travel tips when you go to a new city, like, yeah, it's a constant uh, sort of um, I'm, I'm like constantly in an exploration mode, you know, like every week I was like going to a new city. So it was like very, very, um, I can maximize my curiosity during those, those years. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'd like to just emphasize. So, I mean, this is the common science podcast and 
the kind of core belief of that is that everyone is a common scientist and capable of, of asking questions and learning about the world. And um, yeah, to, to, their, to our listeners, I would recommend if you have a chance to check out a new city, whether it be close by or a city far away, uh, it's incredibly worthwhile because yeah, um, that was something else that struck me too about Scandinavian culture was the, the fashion as well as the like kind of contentment that came with the, the idea of, of coziness and, and being really present with the conversation. Um, so on, on the fashion note, I, I, I lived with the host family, which is a different experience than it sounds like yours, but it sounds like you had a decent amount of exposure to Danes as well. But um, my three younger host brothers uh, were giving me grief because at the time I was uh, still of the American baggy jeans kind of style. And they were, they were teasing me. They were saying, oh man, you... I could fit three of me into your jeans and, and giving me all sorts of, they're just teasing me to no end about the, my jeans. So I, I came back and ended up uh, with uh, uh, transitioning over to skinny jeans post uh, yeah. Scandinavia. Cause yeah, I mean, it just, it looks cleaner. It looks <laughs> like more sophisticated and all things. It looks like I took the time to, to look decent. Um, so yeah, it was just, that was one funny funny memory that stuck out when when you're talking about your experiences there too with the passion um and then as far as the coziness and contentment thing um one thing that i i yeah i also uh observed i'm not sure in i can't remember if in denmark they also have the concept of fika but um they do okay yeah so in in sweden and and Denmark, there's this concept called fika, and oh man, I I relish that moment. It's like a, I think, to my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a, it's a, it can be a noun or it can be a verb, and it's to go and get like coffee and and uh, usually a pastry, and just kind of like en enjoy your time and have a, a break in the day, um, and yeah, so definitely the the more relaxed um attitude and and much more like present presentness i think um yeah struck mm -hmm. me and and it's cool to hear i mean it sounds like you've had a whole a whole mix of experiences growing up in vietnam and then having the opportunity to go to scandinavia um but jumping back to the states you're you're now in the the center of innovation in, in the u.s and mm -hmm. um you, you decided to go to grad school. Did you work for a bit before graduate school or, or what was the, what was the, yeah, reasoning behind going to graduate school as opposed to just ending after your bachelor's in computer science and communication? Yeah, for sure. I actually was, well, <clears throat> I, uh, I was uh, actually, um, I, I took a year off between undergrad and, and, and in grad school. Um, yeah, to be honest, I, I actually was, you know, um, struggled a lot with, you know, fighting, fighting like an entry-level job right after my undergrad. Um, at the time, I was super into like product management, which is essentially, um, well, like I say, for, for listeners who are not familiar with in the tech industry, um, it's like, you know, there's like a variety of roles and, 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 and product manager are the people who kind of like, you know, you, you um, like a CEO of the product, you know, they, they work with engineers and, 
designers and business people to conceptualize an idea and, and, and bring a product in, into customer hand. I was super into that just because I feel like you know, that is like see the intersection of like engineering skill and you know the, the, the business mindset that uh, which I kind of cultivate throughout my, my, my undergraduate taking a bunch of classes from from Com and, and ComSci. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, I try a lot of apply for a lot of jobs, but I couldn't really get any because like this role is there's not a lot of entry level PM role and then it requires usually like either internal transition of someone who already work as an engineer and become that and or either you know people with uh, with like more sophisticated degree um, and so I decided to, to go back home for a year and and spend time applying for for, for grad school um, because um, I do feel like in order to, to stood up to, to stand out um, in a competitive job market at the time and I, I need to have yeah like more credentials in, in general a bigger degree. Um, yeah, this is like 2017, 2016, 2017. Um, data science was really like booming, really, really um, attract a lot of, of, of buzz at the, at the moment. I um, Last year of my undergrad, I was taking like one or two uh, two classes on statistics and, and data mining. And so I have a little bit of background in that. And that's why I, I uh, yeah, kind of spent that year uh, applying for grad school in, in, in that, in that uh, domain. Um, and yeah, this thing like, you know, uh, have the opportunity to go there and, and explore research and learn more what, what all these machine learning things look like and it's going to be super cool. Um, and yeah, in, in, in the later half of that, I actually did a bunch of like freelance project remotely. And that's why I think I mentioned earlier with you that I, I can do that throughout my grad school as well. So that was helpful uh, a lot. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think like, you know, that, that one year transitioning from undergrad to grad was hugely pivotal. For me personally, because I I learned a lot about you know hard work. I spent a lot of time throughout that year just taking a lot of online classes. That was when I also started writing my blog, which right now reached quite a lot of uh, my audience. And that's when I started building like this like sort of personal branding. Essentially, I'm, I'm documenting all the the, the lessons that I learned from online classes, from reading papers, from reading articles into the in, in, into you know my my my, my personal website and. Going from there, um, the, even even my podcast was starting out as, as one of the side projects that I conceptualized during that period. I think, um, yeah, um, I, I didn't really have a lot of social life during that year. It's because I was so super focused on on academic and career wise. But uh, that you know, sometimes you know, uh, life doesn't give you what you want. It, it gives you what you need. And so I'm I'm actually grateful for that experience because you know, in in hindsight, at the time that that felt like a like a feel that I couldn't really straight get, get the first, like, you know, get the first job right out undergrad right away, but that it pre prepared me for a much longer term journey and longer carry part into a new field, you know, that I didn't yeah. anticipate. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I can relate to that in some ways, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's seasons in life and it sounds like that was, an opportunity in disguise um, for me, kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to say it, but COVID uh, kind of became that for, for me. I, <clears throat> I was, I had been studying for the MCAT and I was working a job that I kind of hated, quite frankly. Um, I was like working as like an IT, in, in IT at this health company and um, it just was not a great scenario. Um, 
for many reasons and I, I wanted to do to do more and, and understand more. And so I, I went, uh, I had the opportunity through a contact I had at the University of Minnesota and she had a, a coronavirus research grant coming through and uh, she was willing to take a bit of a punt on me and, and have me do some computer modeling stuff that was way over my head at the, at the start. Um, but I've definitely been able to, to learn a lot this last year. And then beyond that too, taking the opportunity. Um, and I, I'm, sh I'm not sure if you would agree with this, but I think it sounds like you would, but um, to start uh, working on kind of my own digital brand and, and uh, building a website and podcast and, and things of that nature, because I think that I mean, it is just surprising how many how many people you'll you'll connect with, especially in, in the experience of the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. What kinds of so besides for maybe the the digital branding and and the podcasting, what other kinds of advice do you have uh, for somebody, as well as the graduate degree for somebody who's who's interested in say data science? Yeah, for sure. Um, and. Um... So data science, to, <clears throat> to be honest, like it, uh, it uh, the, the job market is actually quite saturated these days. A lot of people are interested in, in doing that, um, and so it, it not just uh, it uh, you should really like study it and 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 go into it if you you know if you like passionate about it, like you like have a clear why, right? Uh, usually, you know, data science is like a, a tool, right? Like you perform analysis modeling to solve some problem using data. But what is that problem, right? Um, so if you have a clear why of what, the, what are the type of problems that you want to solve with data, I think, um, yeah, you, you much, uh, you're going to have a much higher likelihood of, of like, you know, finding the role that you want. Um, so for instance, like, and it seems like in job cases, like you should be interested in, in the healthcare domain, right? Or, or biology. Um, and, and so like, you know, because you understand some of the problem in the space, you, you you can, you know, find the right data for the right sources that provide data and the nature of the data. And you can interpret and visualize the results in a way that makes sense for the end users. I think like, you know, a, a very underappreciated aspect of, of data science is, is communication. As in, as, as in like, you know, how do you communicate um, statistics? How do you communicate, um, you know, analysis in a way that not too technical, and you know, in a way that um, you know, um, friendly to, to to the audience, I think that ultimately, you know, the people who who couple with doing that are the one um, bring the most benefit to to, to, to the world. Um, so uh, yeah, I would say like you know, for someone who interested in, in becoming a who, who who interested in pursuing a job in the data world um, in the coming years, um, you know, um, figure out a problem that you want to solve. And then you know improve your your communication skill, um, you know both both via written or oral or you know or visual at the form of nature. Yeah, I I can't agree enough, and that's something that I've been endeavoring to do. And I think I mean again, like you, I think you'd agree um, is just podcasting has been a, a super great out, outlet for improving my own speaking skills. Uh, so to anybody out there who might be thinking about starting a podcast, I would recommend it. Uh, if you are, if you're wanting to work on your speaking skills at least, or, uh, otherwise, or obviously there's a blog for writing skills or whatever else, but 
uh, yeah, there's something about just doing it <laughs> repeatedly that makes you better at it and, and recording yourself too and reflecting on, on those uh, processes. Uh, that's, that's super apt advice. Uh, I'm curious, what's, what's your clear why and what, what are your, your problems that you're hoping to solve in, in the data world? Yeah, so I'm I'm like I'm this day I'm inter interested in a, in a meta problem of making how to make uh, data data teams more effective. Um, yeah. um, so I'm really interested in the tooling in the tooling that enable um, data practitioners to um, get their work done. Um, so uh, maybe a high level overview is like you know um, data science usually start out as, as like an internal project. Someone have a good idea, they maybe like conduct some, some experiment in-house uh, and then like the end result kind of live in the kind of like live in the local laptop for example and it, it doesn't it's hard to like bring that results into into the whole big infrastructure of a company and then deploy it and make it available to the end users because there's so much like infrastructure that go along with you know uh, bringing a, a, a results in-house in, in, in the production um, so these days I'm super interested in the tooling, uh, open source library, uh, even like SaaS platform that uh, make the work of uh, building uh, and and building and, and, and maintaining um, machine learning and data products um, easier. Um, and yeah. it is very exciting because there's not a lot of you know players in the space yet. It's, this is a very evolving. Um, Landscape. And it's all like the term, some the terminology in this space only started like last year. And so we are constantly um, inventing new terms, uh, new company currently starting out. So I think like that's also part of my job this day, which is actually like figuring out what are the companies, players in the space and, and learn about them. So now I even invite them to my podcast, it's just learn about how they work on the, what they do. Um, so yeah, I imagine a world where in the future it is it's as easy. As uh, it's, uh, it's as easy to um, you know uh, deploy machine models into production as like you know running a mobile app. Yeah, these days. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's incredibly admirable, admirable, and something that I think uh, that stands out to me. And that that sort of why is, uh, like you said, uh, for most data scientists, you'd recommend. Um, I mean, finding a problem, and that problem could be in my case, more like biological, ecological, um, or, I mean, that problem could be more in, in, in yeah, like you said, a meta problem, like how, how do we help other people do their jobs more efficiently and, and better and um, more accurate, accurately and whatever else. And uh, it's, it's cool to hear that you're, you're kind of on the ground floor of, of some uh, exciting evolutions. And I'm excited to hear more about how that uh, grows through your your podcast and through your blog as well, and uh, I'll link those in the show notes, of course. And uh, yeah, it's been an incredible uh, forty or so minutes talking to you, James. And yeah, I I hope our listeners have gained something from our conversation and and can glean something from your story. And uh, until next time, thank you very much. Thanks again for having me. And uh, yeah, looking forward to um, hearing the episode soon. Awesome.